we're going to take a look at a, at a healing encounter that uh, we actually haven't looked at for about six years. So uh, we'll take some, some time with that. I think it was only a few years before that. We had covered it before, but haven't haven't covered this one a whole lot. But there's some very good things that we can we can learn from this. And so we're going to take this on. We're going to be in two Gospels. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel and over in Mark's Gospel. Now, the reference for Mark's Gospel is not in your outline. Sometimes we have to make sacrifices. But you can write them down if you if you want. You can see them over there, but we're Mark chapter seven twenty four through thirty is where we also see this miracle covered. In this particular encounter, we're going to see the ingredients of great faith. We've seen it in one encounter we saw before with the woman with the issue of blood. We're going to see the same things here. We'll see them repeated. But this woman is not acknowledged in her request, but she is not deterred. She keeps on going there. Now, sometimes people are not acknowledging their request and they're not returned, but there's no faith in it. This woman had faith. They just, she, some people just keep going after God, keep doing it the same way, and it's not helping them. But great faith is what we're going to see here with her, and great faith is faith that endures and continues. Last week, we were looking at the two blind men in Matthew chapter 9. We saw that they were not obedient to what Jesus asked them to do afterwards. So he took on the question, can I find myself in a place of faith if I am not also in a place of obedience? Because a lot of the stories we looked at, we see that because of their obedience, they received the, the, the healing. And so we see from that and from other places that though you may have disobedience in some areas of your life, God will still minister healing to you. But when the obedience has to do with your particular healing, something you need to do, there's no getting around it. You've got to obey. Those people... Those two blind men, they went out, and even though Jesus said, don't say this to anybody, they went out and told it to everybody. We went over the fact that just because, well, well, people do not become suddenly disobedient. You learn how to be disobedient. So they were probably disobedient before this whole thing and just continued in that disobedience. Now, the way that you teach yourself disobedience is you go through life and you look at the things that the Word of God tells us to do and you'll say things like this. Well, this isn't important for me to obey. That's Old Testament. God showed me something new. This is just, just is not important for me. Well, do I really need to obey now? Ever ask that? I mean, I'll, I'll obey... But do I need to do it now? What if I just obey the part I think is important? And sometimes when God will give us something to do and we'll look at, all right, well, this part's important, this part's important, this one's not so important, I'll do these ones. Maybe I can do better than just what God commanded me. Do what He said. Obedience is learned. Do what He said. We're not going to spend time on it today, but we have spent time before in some of the prophets and how they had to learn to say and do exactly what they were, they were told to do. And those who did really excelled, and those who did not, did not go very far. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely 
demon-possessed, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, more than likely, if she is following after Jesus and she is saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. You can, if you imagine this, this scenario going on, if you can see this, this happening, she is probably not quiet. She has probably gotten louder because if somebody does not respond to you in your normal voice, what do you then use? We use a louder voice, don't we? Because they're not hearing my regular voice, we need to use a louder voice. That was the inspiration behind the cartoon we put in the bulletin today. So she's not likely staying very quiet. She's following him, getting louder, trying to get Jesus' attention. Those closest to Jesus, his disciples that were around them, they tell him to send her away. Tell her to go. He's not responding to her at all. Well, instead of not responding, tell her to go away. Now, were they reading into Jesus' lack of response to determine what Jesus' will was in this situation? Or they're saying, well, he's not responding, so obviously he doesn't want her here. And they begin to encourage him, send her away. How much do we do this today? We look at what we're seeing God not respond to and we decide what God's will is. Got to be careful on that. Just because there's no response doesn't mean there's an acknowledgement of what the will is. Find out what his will is. Now, were they imposing their desire to see this woman go? Were they imposing that on Jesus? Uh, They could have been. Anybody ever imposed their desires on you? They desire a certain thing. They see God a certain way. They want a certain thing done and they impose that upon you. I wonder, though, if some of them had already rebuked the woman. Not willing to wait for Jesus. Jesus is not answering. They probably went up to her and said, look, be quiet, go away, go back home, whatever. She's not being deterred. Now, this is not the, the direction that Jesus would end up going. He's not just going to send her home without any. That's not the direction he would end up going. But this is the direction that those believers that were around Jesus, the ones that were closest to him, this is the direction they were encouraging him to take. Isn't that interesting? It seemed obvious. It seemed like this is the way God wants to go. And they're encouraging Jesus to do so, maybe even helping, going around the background and telling her to go. But this is not the direction Jesus is going to end up going. And if Jesus doesn't take that direction, then what do we know about the will of God? The will of God was the helper. How often do we as Christians miss God by following the flesh counsel? those around us people around you can get they can be spiritual but they can get into some flesh counsel they can tell you some things let's go over to Mark gospel chapter 7 from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon now before we go much further I wanted to show you some of the things about this because we read these things and how many have a picture of what this means anybody ever looked this up on a map to see what does it mean that he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon Go ahead, raise your hand. Anybody ever looked this up on a map? All right, I got one. 
I got two. Very good. I didn't think I was going to get that many. Pull up our map, if you would, so that you don't have to go home and do this. I have one for you. What we're looking at here in the last couple of miracles that we have, Jesus is right, right, now, right now around this area, around the lake, around the Sea of Galilee. He had gone, remember when he crossed over? Crossed over to the other side and he ministered to the, to the man in the tombs? That's right here. He sailed across that way. That's where he went. Then he came back to the same area. That's what he did. Now, when he's going over here to the region of Tyre and Sidon, this is where they pinpoint it, but he went somewhere into this, this region over here. That's a long distance, isn't it? They went all the way back up into the region of Tyre and Sidon. The next miracle that we will see that will happen over here goes all the way over here. And then from here, he will come back over to the Sea of Galilee. These are the, this is the direction in which he is taking. So that's a lot of traveling, isn't it? Now, why would he go into the region of Tyre and Sidon? He is sent to the, to the Jews and he's, he's going to give the impression here, hey, I am not here to minister to you. Well, then why are you in the area? Why not just stay where he was at? Or go to one of the places in Judea? Why does he go all the way out to here? In um, Mark's Gospel, I'm just going to read this to you quick. You can write this down if you want to. It's not in your outline. Mark 3, 7 through 8. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Now everybody know Mark chapter 3 comes before Mark chapter 7, right? And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea and Jerusalem and Indumea and beyond the Jordan and those from Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude. So when he was over there in Mark chapter 3 ministering to people... There was a great multitude from all over the place and the region of Tyre and Sidon. When I put myself in this place and I begin to think of what happens with Jesus in Mark chapter 3 and the meeting that he's got there and people coming from all over the regions. Put yourself in this place and see if this would not happen for you. You have come to a place and you're watching see many people getting healed. Demons cast out. Blind eyes open. Deaf ears can now hear. Sicknesses from long ago being miraculously healed. And you're seeing this go on. How many of you, if you have ever been in a meeting like that, been in a place and the gifts of healing God has are in operation, have thought to yourself, oh, I wish so-and-so were here. Anybody ever thought that? I bet if we had a show of hands, maybe one or two of you might say no. The rest of you say, yeah, I thought of that. We think of people who could receive that. What if it was this way? What if in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is in the meeting and people are getting healed and someone comes up to Jesus, Jesus, I would love you to come to my town. If you could ever come to my town, I know somebody there. And I, oh, I could just, could you just come out there and minister to them? I wonder how many people from other areas came to the meetings and said, Jesus, would you come to our area? But if they came, the region from Tyre and Sidon, if they came and heard Jesus and they saw miraculous things, how many went home and probably told people? I mean, you don't have the 6 o'clock news reporting stuff. If you want to find out what's going on, people have to tell you. 
And so it's a pretty exciting thing to come back. You've got some news. Oh, we were at these meetings. Oh, we saw this man. Oh, he came in. He was doing it. They're, they're spreading the news. So that the people in Tyre and Sidon, they knew about Jesus. They know about this guy. So from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now I cannot tell you that he went with any purpose to try and minister to anyone. Because it says right here, he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. Now my thought is this. One of the reasons he may have gone to the region of Tyre and Sidon is because he's not called to minister to the people in this area. And if you've been ministering, you've had a lot of opposition. Remember, we just had that big spiritual opposition, almost uh, dying on the boat, going over to the other side. The people chasing you out of town. All those kind of things going on. How many could take a break? And a good place for a break is where nobody knows about you, where nobody is going to be drawn on you to, to minister to them. And he may be thinking, that's to go out to this region and get away from the Jewish people for a little while. Let's just take a break. And maybe that's the reason why he did that big long about. I'll have to wait till we get to heaven to know for sure. But he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. Have you ever done that? Gone somewhere and you didn't want anybody to know you were there. I mean, you go to the Walmart. Oh, no, I know that person. Oh, quick, go down this aisle. Have you ever done that? It's not that you don't like them. It's just that I don't have time for the conversation that's going to take place if they see me. <laughs> so you just kind of try and hide and get out into another, another part of the thing. You desired that no one would see you. Maybe you wanted to go into the Wawa and get your coffee or whatever it was, and you desired that no one would see you. Oh, but somebody in there. Somebody, somebody knew you. Now I have a, I have a, a, a quirk about me. I, I have a affection for going into new places where I don't know people, and just talking to them like I've known them for a long time. We had that happen yesterday one time. One of the guys, he's standing in line. I talked to him, and he looked at me and goes, "Do I know you?" I said, "No, not at all." <laughs> Put my hand out, introduce myself to him. But you see, that can, that comes at a, can become at a hindrance because sometimes, you know, I might, uh, uh, go into a, a Wawa and pick up a, a few things and, well, I start talking to the people that are there. And if you go at the same time, you see the same people. And so a lot of times I get to know the, the managers and so forth and, and, uh, we just have conversation. Sometimes I think I cannot engage in that conversation. So I'm not going to the Wawa. <laughs> I go somewhere else. You just don't want to be, you don't want to be seen. I don't want anybody to know it. But it says here that he could not be hidden. So it would seem that the people that had gone to the meeting in Mark chapter 3 had come back and said quite a few things. Oh, was that Jesus? Oh, Jesus is here. Oh, that guy who was in... Oh, wow. And so people, they, they not just this woman, other people want to see Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to see them. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was, was a Greek, Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Kept at, that means more than one time. Probably more than two. Probably more than three. He, she kept at it. 
just kept on going. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So he's, she is determined. Now Jesus is determined. He has purposed to not be made known. And this woman has determined to get Jesus' attention. Somebody's purpose is not going to be realized. Oh, well. Well, we already covered the... Let's, let's look at verse 26 again. The woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. One translation actually pushes the woman spoke Greek. And that may be more what it, what it was, that she spoke Greek. Syrophoenician by birth. That wouldn't make you Greek. But she probably spoke Greek because that was the common language of the day. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little, little dogs. Now when I look at this, we're looking at a heathen woman who was raised in a heathen atmosphere. And she knows her daughter is possessed by a demon. Severely possessed. My thought is, how does she know that? We, we, we're raised amongst the Bible. We get the stories from the Bible. We understand demon possession. But people in the world don't know about it, may not even believe it. So something must be going on with her daughter that is scary. And she knew this is not normal. This thing comes on her and she becomes something different. And then it goes off of her. And it was severe, whatever it was. We're not told all the things that she did. And she didn't spend a whole lot of time on that. She just said she's severely (coughs) demon-possessed. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Calling her a dog. Mm Hmm. Well, so Jesus had purpose. I'm going to pass on through. She got his attention. He's, he says, I still want to pass on through here. So I'm not messing with you. Not doing anything here. Uh, I'm not going to take the bread. I came to bring the bread to the children. Uh, later on, it'll go to others. He's not saying that, but we know that from the word. Later on, it'll go to others. But I'm here to give it to the children. Now, there's a whole lot of people in our world that profess that they have a knowledge of God when they need something. You all know that, right? God doesn't exist when they don't need something, but when they need something, oh God. Oh, will you pray for me? But they also forget God when the need is satisfied and it's taken care of. Now, it's not written here in the Gospels. We don't have this part. We don't have the plan that she had written down. Was she wanting Jesus to return with her? Was she wanting Jesus to speak the word? Was she wanting Jesus just to wait a little while and I'll bring the daughter to you? We don't know. That part of the plan isn't there. Jesus is apparently not too concerned about it. He wants her to go away. So we don't know if she had a plan or if she just depended on what Jesus would decide to do. I'll just present it to Jesus and see what he decides to do. Maybe he'll tell me he'll come back. Maybe he'll tell me uh, with the word and just cast it out. I don't know. Verse 25 of Matthew 15. Then she came and worshipped him. 
saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, unfortunately, we lose a little bit of this in the English translation. And some translations do a little better job of this. But I'll summarize it for you this way. She has a little bit of fun with the word little. This is basically what she says to Jesus. Jesus says, we're not going to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the little crumbs which fall from their master's table. And one translation said the, the little children's food. She, she uses the word little three times. She's not afraid of that little word there. Mark seven twenty seven. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs on the table eat from the children's crumbs. So she's not afraid to be called a dog. She's not offended by it. There's a lot of people, they get offended at that. They'd walk away from their miracle. But look at what Jesus says here in verse 27. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dog. You may have never thought about this for a little while, but um, if you were to hear this, if I were to hear this, if Jesus were to say this to me, who says it's not good? What do you mean it's not good? It would be perfectly good for me. I like the idea of getting a little bit of this now. Well, first of all, let's take a look at this word good. There are two main words, and we've covered them before. In the Greek, for good, there's actually more words than that, but two main ones. The Greek word agathos and the Greek word kalos. Agathos means intrinsically good, inherently good in quality, but with the idea of good, which is also profitable, useful, and benefiting others. How many could see some benefit from getting a few crumbs? There's some benefit there, right? Yeah, that's not the word that's used. The word that is used here, when Jesus says it is not good, it is not kalas. Kalas describes that which is inherently excellent or intrinsically good, providing some special or superior benefit. So I wrote this up. I'm going to read this for you. This is kind of my summary for what we're looking at here. What is inherently excellent in the plan of God may not be personally profitable for me. That's a truth, folks, we've got to better get a hold of. Because there's a whole lot of people who think whatever the overall purpose of God is, it will benefit me. Now, I don't want to just make a statement. I want to prove it to you. I'm not going to prove it to you as extensively as I could prove it to you, but I am going to prove it to you. The plan of God spoken to Abraham had them as servants for how many years? Anybody remember? Four hundred years. Ended up being 430 because of Moses' disobedience. But how many of you know that was not personally profitable for many of the people during that 400 years? There are some people who were born, lived, and died a slave in Egypt. Never seen the purpose of God. How many of you all know 
that God's plan for Abraham to sacrifice his only son was beneficial for the overall plan of God, but not personally beneficial for Abraham. God's overall plan for Moses to go back into Egypt was profitable for the plan of God, but not personally profitable for Moses. The plan of God was to judge Israel in the wilderness, wasn't it? It wasn't his original plan, but because of their disobedience, he decided we're going to judge you all and you're all going to die here in the wilderness. That was his overall plan. But that did not personally benefit certain people. We're not just talking to disobedient ones. It didn't personally benefit Moses, who was not disobedient. It did not personally benefit Caleb. It did not personally benefit Joshua. But it was the plan of God. The plan of God was to judge Israel and Judah for worshiping foreign gods. But that plan was not personally profitable for Daniel, for his buddies, for the prophets who prophesied the word of God during that time, and others. It was not personally profitable for them. The plan of God was to bring salvation and blessing to the Gentiles. But that was not personally profitable to many who wanted salvation to the Jews only. So, you can see, you can put more places in the Word of God where this happens. There's the overall plan of God, which sometimes requires us to have sacrifice. Sometimes required us as believers to not have some things. The overall plan of God does not necessarily always benefit me. Now, in the long run, it will. Because if I get on God's side and I say, God, I am going to give up this for you. For your, because this is your plan. And God's going to benefit us. How many would just love to have a verse of scripture on that? Wouldn't that be great if we had a verse of scripture that would tell us that that would be so? Well, doggone we do. There is not one who has given up houses, riches, husbands, and wives for the kingdom who will not in this life and the next receive manifold benefit. It will benefit you, but sometimes there's a bit of a sacrifice on your part. Don't think that the plan of God doesn't cost, doesn't have sacrifices. The overall plan of God was for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. But how many know that was a sacrifice that was not a personal benefit to God and to the Son? They benefited later. But uh, they had to put some things down. But I want to take you over to this word here. Verse, we can see, the word shows up in Mark and Matthew. We'll just read it from Mark since we're there. Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. In other words, it is not part of God's plan to take the bread that is intended for the children to the dogs, at least not now. The salvation was to come to the Jews first, then to the Greeks, then to the Gentiles. And she answered him and said, now this word shows up both times, yes, Lord, Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. I looked up that word, yes, and I wanted to do a little bit of a study on it. This is a particle of affirmation. It's used in answer to a question, an agreement to what is asserted to be an acknowledgement of truth. That's what she's saying. 
There's one translation, the New Living Translation, that actually translates truth right in there. That's true, it says. So I thought about this. In what ways does truth come to us? How does truth come to us? Because she's acknowledging this to be true. We've given you this before. We're going to give it to you again. But she's acknowledging the truth of this. When she makes this statement, when she uses this word, what she is saying that what Jesus has said, I am agreeing that that is truth. Not just that that is your opinion. You can use a different word for that. She is not saying, well, I understand that's your opinion. But, no, she says, well, that's true. She may not have known that to be the plan of God. But she's willing to just accept that and say, all right, well, you've declared it. So I'm going to say, that's true. How many times do we see something declared in the Word of God as truth and yet we question it? Well, is that really truth for me? I mean, maybe I'm not understanding this right. Maybe there's more for me to, to learn about this particular commandment of God. What do you mean don't be unequally yoked? I mean... Really, what does that mean? I mean, is that looking toward the future? Not necessarily the present, that I can be unequally yoked now because in the future we will be. Now, you can come up with all kinds of things. But she says, that's truth. Yep, I agree with that. I agree with it. She's not arguing. Yep, I'm just a little dog. I am not at the master's table. I am not one of the children. But all I need is a little crumb. That's it. I don't need to be brought to the table. I'm not asking to be brought to the table. I understand my place as a Gentile. I'm under the table. I'm a little dog moseying around, begging, trying to find something. But you know those kids, when they see the little dog down there, what do their kids do? Little dogs know, go to the kids. And if you have people over, you're serving food, that dog is going to find the little kids and he's going to get by the little kid. <laughs> Give me some food. Give me some food. And you know, little kids look over there, they have no discipline. Oh, how cute. Here. <laughs> and you may say, how many times? Don't feed the dog from the table. What will happen as soon as you're not looking? There goes some more. I mean, it was great if you got something that you didn't like to eat and you had a dog. I mean, you could find ways to get that thing on down there. Here it go. The dog would eat it. You'd be in big trouble if the dog didn't eat it. Oh, you'd be in big trouble. Because first off, it'd be found on the floor. But then if the dog licked it and decided it didn't want it, what happens if you had to eat it? Oh, that's not good. Get yourself in trouble. You better know your dog. Whether that dog will eat. But she's saying this. Yes, Lord. Well, that's true. That's true. But now, look at this. Even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Even if the kids aren't feeding the dog. How many of y'all know? There's crumbs on her phone. If you've ever had a meal in which Etta was there. These are more than crumbs. But if you even sit next to Lumi, there's a whole lot that's not staying on the plate. And it's falling down. Because little kids are this way. Things fall. 
And what she's saying is, kids accidentally drop stuff all the time. I'm just asking for one of the little crumbs to come on down and then we can get that little crumb. That's it. She doesn't contest any of his truth that he has, he has spoken. That might be the plan of God. Now, now I, don't want to, I don't want to call that into question. But she just accepts that truth. And that's going to help her. But I thought about us. What ways does truth come to us? Now, I've given you these things before. It's nothing new. Gave you some space there if you need to write it down. We get truth through what we hear. That's one of the main ways we get truth is through what we hear. Hearing the Word of God. We hear things. That's one of the main ways. that We, we can hear things through the Spirit. The Spirit of God will reveal things to us. We get truth through what we see. Well, I believe that that car is blue. Why do you believe that car is blue? Well, I can see it. What if something is messing up the colors? I believe that is true. See, you may see something, but it's not as, as certain. We want it to be, but it's not as certain. You can be, what you see can be messed up. How many of y'all know those people on TV? They make you see stuff, and it's not there. You ever see those behind the scene footage in some of those movies? You got the big scene, the guy's out there in the blizzard. He's not out there in the blizzard. He's in a nice warm room. There's a big green screen behind him. And they just put that stuff in there. And then they're just blowing fans. Making their own snow. Throwing that in there too. That's not what, that's not real. When they did Star Trek. Nobody was in space. That wasn't happening. No phasers have ever been fired. But you saw it. Many times the things that we see, we accept as true. Third is sense. Intuition. Now, I'm sure no one here has ever done this, but you may know people. Well, I just feel like... I just feel like God wouldn't do this. I just feel like you don't like me. I just feel like I wouldn't like that. It's just a sense. Just intuition. We don't know for sure. But it's a way that we accept truth. I have truth comes into me because of the things that I accept. Things that are reported to me. These are things that I hear, see, sense. But I have to accept it. Once I accept it, bring it in, then it becomes truth. There's also truth by assumption. People have assumed things. Well, do you know that? Well, no, I can't prove it to you, but I know <laughs> there's assumptions that are there. Now, our belief in these truths that we've accepted, they guard our lives. They will guide you this way, that way. So if the truth that you have accepted is false, your lives will go in the wrong direction. The people who have accepted the truth, that God won't send anybody to, everybody to hell. That truth they accepted will lead them down the wrong direction. People who accept the truth, God doesn't care for me. Sickness is the will of God. 
These will guide you. But they are not God's truths. They will not guide you in the right way. If the truth is right, we're going to go in the correct way. We can believe that God has a good plan ahead for me. We can believe that God's blessings are mine. If you accept those truths, it's going to guide your life in a different way. Remember the verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 17? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Why? Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, are any of those right? Not a single one of those is right. Where did they come to those conclusions? Some of it by assumption. Some of it because they sense things. Well, I just think that that's Elijah. But they've accepted it as truth and they're speaking it out. So Jesus is asking them, who do men say that I am? Well, some are saying this and some are saying that. But then he says this to them. He said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, that was revealed truth. That was something he saw with his spirit. That was something he heard in his spirit. It's revealed truth. Now, once the truth is brought to light, once the light has been shed, whether it's God's light or the light of darkness, one of them is going to bring a truth to you. The light of darkness can bring truth to people too. But once the truth is brought to light, we have three choices we have to do. First off, accept and act. If you are going to accept the truth that you heard, that you see, you're going to accept that truth, then you need to act on it. You need to do something with that truth. Ephesians 1 and 13, In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Well, they heard the truth of the gospel and they acted on it. That's the first thing. Accept and act. If you just accept it and don't act, it's not going to do you any good. You've got to accept the truth and then you've got to act on that truth. The second one is ponder and prove. You may remember these. I've given them to you before. Luke 2, verse 19 but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. All the things going on about Jesus' birth. She pondered them in her heart. She's going to prove them. In Acts chapter 10, Peter had a vision on the rooftop. And he wasn't sure what that vision was. So he was pondering the vision. It said in Acts chapter 10. Sometimes the truth will be re- revealed. I'm not ready to accept it yet. I'm pondering and proving it. All right, well feel like I got this in my spirit but the word of God tells me to prove these things so I'm going on proving this thing I got to find out is this true are there people in the Bible who operated by this understanding ponder and prove here's the third reject and refuse and don't think that's the negative side of this that is not 2 Timothy 2 15 through 18 be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to, you, to more ungodliness. 
and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. I'm not telling you that you have to do two of these three or one of these three. You have to do all three of these things with truth. You need to accept and act on truth. You need to ponder and prove other truth because I haven't quite gotten to the point of accepting that. I haven't seen that to be truth in the Word. Because there are some things that will come to you as truth that you must reject and refuse. If you do not reject and refuse those as being truth, it will take you down a wrong direction. Our news media is always trying to get you to believe a truth that isn't true. Because it will take you down a wrong direction. They love you going down that wrong direction. I must reject and refuse going down that direction. So all three of these things need to be going on. There are some truths I am in a place to accept and act on it. There are some truths I need to ponder and prove, and some I need to reject and refuse. How many of y'all know this woman could have put this in the third column and rejected and refused it? But she did not. She put it in the first one. She heard it, she accepted it, and she acted on it. She makes a declaration based on the truth that Jesus stated that she accepted. And she made a declaration based on that. Make sure you got these three things going. Whenever you find the truth, where is it going to go? Am I accepting it and acting on it? Am I in a place where I still need to ponder and prove? Or do I need to reject and refuse this? This is not of God. Word of God says, test the spirits to see if they are from God. You find out this is not from God, you reject it. The worst we can do is accept the truth and not live by it or act on it. That's terrible. You accept, well, I accept that as true, but I'm not going to live by it. I get to give you examples for that in Scripture, but I'll let you think of them. Now, she approaches Jesus thinking that he desired to minister God's power, didn't she? She's approaching Jesus. I've, I've heard the stories. He's been out there ministering, the, healing the people. He's been out there teaching people. This is what he does. So he would want to do this. And she comes to him thinking that he wants to minister the power of God and he would want to minister the power of God for her. And so she comes with a loud voice. They probably got louder and louder. Jesus, come and heal my daughter. And Jesus is not paying any attention to her. This is not the Jesus she came to see. The Jesus she came to see wants to minister the power of God. This one doesn't want to do that. But she wasn't deterred. She kept coming at him. She, she didn't stop. Nope, I'm going to keep on going. I'm not, I am not being deterred. I am not holding back from this. So she follows him all this way. And when he gets to the house, Matthew says, when she got to, when he got to the house, she follows him in the house. She's there with him when he gets to the house. He doesn't want to be found. He doesn't want other people. She finds him. She comes to him. Maybe we get in the house. She'll leave me alone. But she didn't. Now, she came expecting that Jesus wants to minister. Healing power. And Jesus' statements didn't sway her from that belief. No, I'm not gonna, I am not gonna go after that. I'm gonna continue to believe that Jesus wants to minister healing power. Because this, this is what he's been doing. 
I just got to find out how to get him to do this. Many people, though, are often, often let circumstances and statements from other people sway our belief. How many times does the pastor get up and say something about God and it sways the belief of many? Prophet, apostle, gets up, makes a statement, and it sways the belief of men. This woman would not be deterred. Jesus said, said nothing. Other people are saying things to her, but Jesus said nothing. And she is not being deterred. Be careful what you let other people get you to stop doing. In this, in this difficult time, she does not pursue a woe is me mentality. She doesn't think, oh, it's such a poor situation. Even Jesus is against me. But she pursued faith, not mercy. Christians more often pursue mercy than they will faith. We'll pursue mercy and we'll endure all kinds of suffering through it just to get God to work. But less often will people pursue victory through faith. This woman pursued it through faith. So Jesus' response to her is probably very different from what she expected. In our faith, or is our faith, in what we expect His response will be, or His word. Now she's not the only one to encounter this, but she probably doesn't know it. How many of y'all remember the story of Moses when he approaches God about the people and God gives him a response he probably was not prepared for? Stand aside, Moses, while I wipe these people out and I'll make of you a great mighty nation. And Moses is not deterred by the statement made to him. He holds God to his word. No, no, hold on a minute. (laughs) You can't do that because you said in your word that you were going to bring this people. And the nations around are watching. And they're going to get the idea that you couldn't do it. And that is not you. So God said, all right, I won't do it. Are we that bold to be confident in what his word says? That even though we may get a statement, no, no, I'm not not buying that one. That's what this woman did. She didn't say, no, no, I'm not buying that one. No. I know you want to minister to this situation. You're just looking for a way. I'm going to find a way to get you to minister to this situation. I'm going to find a way to, to help you to do that kind of like if you had a job and you needed to raise hadn't had to raise for a while and then you find out the company says no raises this year wait I didn't get a raise last year I didn't get a raise the year before that I haven't had a raise in a long time I don't care what the company policy says these other people they got a raise last year I didn't get a raise I'm due for a raise and so you go in and you talk to your boss I want to raise. Well, I'm sorry. The company policy is we don't have we don't give out any raises. That's fine for everybody else, but it's not going to be fine for me. See, that's the kind of boldness this woman had. Is the response that you got from God different from what you were expecting? If it was, it can shift your confidence. How many know that Hezekiah? did not probably get the response from the prophet of God when he came in and said, put your affairs in order, you're going to die. 
Oh, wait a minute. I was not expecting that. And he turns to the wall and he, we imagine, repents. Before the prophet gets out of the palace, God says, go back. Tell him I'll give him 15 more years. What do you do if you get a response from God that is different? Do you have the faith in His Word to stand up and say, God, this is what you said. This is what you said. You see, if you're not that determined, then some false spirit can get in there and tell you something and pass themselves off as God and you'll buy it and back down. You've got to be that determined that what God said in His Word, He will bring it about. Verse 15, uh, Matthew 15, verse 28. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. We translate this verse this way. Then answering, Jesus said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it become to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that hour. Williams translates it this way. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, wonderful is your faith. You must have what you want. Oh, I like that. You must have what you want. Now, I pull these translations out because these, if you want to find out what a verb in the Greek really meant, these are the two places you to go to. No other place in translation. This is the two places you want to go. If it's there in the Greek, it's there with these guys. Williams and Weiss. They're probably the hardest ones to find. But you can get them. Oh, they're good. There's a lot of times I look up something in the Greek and instead of going there and all that, I just read Weiss or I read Williams. Because it's right there. You must have what you want. You must have what you want. All right. You're a little dog wandering around the table. You don't get to eat at the table. But you, you must have this. You must. It's kind of like, you know, a guest. They've heard you say, don't feed the dogs. And you look over at that dog. And that dog is in such expectation. And is so eager. Oh, look at that face. Oh, I can't deny this face. You must have a piece. And you get the dog a, a piece. Jesus is looking down here and says, look at your faith. Your faith is phenomenal. That faith cannot go unanswered. You must have what you want. Mark's Gospel reads it this way, verse 29. And then he said to her, For this saying, go your way. For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Hmm. For this saying, because of what you said. What did she say? She heard what Jesus said. She accepted what Jesus said as truth. Didn't argue it. And then made a declaration based on the truth that he just said. Jesus said, I'm not here except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I can't give the children's bread to the little dogs. That's true. You said it, so it must be true. I may not have known that before, but you said it, so it must be true. But in that same scenario, little dogs around a table get crumbs. Woman, 
you must have what you want. Wow. What a great response. Jesus calls her faith great. This woman heard the word from Jesus and recognized the source. She recognized the source. You may not know all truth, but you can recognize the source. And if you know that source came from so-and-so, oh, I, I know that's good. I know that's right. Way back when no, I was going to school, back in the uh, 80s, it probably even went into the 90s. I don't know exactly how long ago. How many of you remember there's a particular voice in the news media that if you heard him say it, you knew it was true? No, I am not speaking of Walter Cronkite. That man was evil. Do not tell me he was the best newsman. He was, that man was evil. I can give you examples on it too. That man was not the news people, newsman people make him out to be. But there was one. Yeah, he was, he was the fake news before fake news became fake news. He was... Anyway, how many remember this name? Paul Harvey. Good day. <laughs> if Paul Harvey said it, folks, you could pretty much go to the bank on it. It was amazing. That guy, he, he was a Christian. He was sold out for his faith. He would talk about God all the time. If he said something, he had checked out the facts. He not only came with the news, but how many of you remember? And now, for the rest of the story. Oh, I miss those days. I have shared with you before that Paul Harvey is the one who shared the news with me that Keith Green had gone home. I still remember that day. I still remember where I was in my apartment. And when he spoke, the, I knew it was true because Paul Harvey said it. So you consider the source. How many of y'all know there's some news people out there you consider the source? Well, they said it. It's probably not true at all. Because <laughs> they said it. You recognize the source. If your spirit on the inside says, I know that source, all right, then I need to accept that as true. Now i got to figure out. Recognize the source. Second, accept it no matter what her emotions or intellect told her. That's hard to do. Her emotions are all tied up because her daughter is in a bad state and no one has been able to fix this. No one has been able to help her. She heard about Jesus. Now she's got an opportunity. She's not here to debate truth. All right, if you said it, I'm accepting it because you said it. So she accepted it no matter what her emotions or intellect told her. That's a place, if you want to get the great faith, that's where you need to get to. Your emotions may be telling you all kinds of things because of the news that you just got. But you don't let your emotions take hold of you. That news you got was not from the source of God anyway. Recognize the source. Accepted it no matter what her emotions or intellect told her. Third, declare truth based upon it. See, this is where you may get through one, two, but if you don't get to three, you don't have great faith. You can accept what... The truth is, you can accept it. You can even recognize the source. But if you do not get to part three here and recognize or declare truth based upon that truth that you just learned, I got to declare truth based on truth that I just heard. But you got to make sure that that truth you just heard is truth. Otherwise, you're making a declaration based on falsehood, which makes your declaration what? False. 
and without power. She made a declaration based upon it. Truth, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs. She's not even asking them for anything. At that point, she's already asked them. I just need a crumb. Throw me a crumb. I'll be on my way. Woman, you've got to have this. She does not speak words to contradict the truth already declared. That's Sometimes we get into that. We made the declaration, but then we go off from there after that great faith declaration and we say stuff. Well, I just think, I just fear, I just hope this doesn't happen. And we have words that go directly against the declaration that we made. She doesn't do this. Remember Peter, Matthew 14, walking on the water? He makes a declaration. If it is you, bid me come. Jesus says what? Come. He jumps out of the boat. And he does great for a little while. Put this in your outline for you. Great faith is moved completely by what our spirit receives and not by what our natural man receives. That is great faith. Great faith is moved completely by what our spirit receives and not by what our natural man receives. That is great faith. Regular faith is affected by both. Jairus is a good example of someone who had regular faith. He was affected by the reports. He was affected by reports of Jesus. He was affected by both. Jesus had to turn to them. Do not fear. He doesn't say anything like this to this woman. Now, don't think, well, I'm not a great faith yet. That's all right. You can get a whole lot done with regular faith. Jairus got a whole lot done with regular faith. How many other people can you think of? You can go home today and just think on it. How many other people had regular faith and got a whole lot done? You can get a lot done with regular faith. How many people did Jesus actually say? Great faith. I think it's two. two. Now weak faith may start out in the spirit. But is moved by the natural before their faith finishes its work. That's weak faith. You may start out completely in the spirit. You may start out in regular faith, but before you get to the end, the natural took over. Hebrews 6, 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You've got to endure to the end. Even regular faith has to endure to the end. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-4 We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. There's a whole lot more verses you can look at for enduring to the end. Great faith is certainly the goal. But you can get a lot accomplished on regular faith. But weak faith will get you started, but it won't get you finished. You'll be like Peter. Get underneath the water. All right, let's wrap this up. Great faith is this. Accept truth revealed. First thing, you got to accept truth revealed. When, re- when God reveals truth to you, you need to accept it. 
And if you accept it, you need to act on it. Reject what is false. If you don't reject what is false, then what is false is going to be weighing you down. You got to reject it. I bring it in. You know what? This is not right. Out. It's gone. Nope, I don't. I know that's, that's not the right source. That's not the right thing. Third, declare an act based on truth believed. You need to declare and act. Not just make declaration. You need to act based upon truth believed. Make your declaration. But there's got to be some acts. Don't come up with acts on your own. God, what do you want me to do? God, what are you telling me to do? God will we'll show you some things. Here's the next one. Depend on no natural stimulation. Nothing in the natural. Get yourself. You want great faith. Get yourself that I don't need to hear the good report. Oh, God, I'm going to the doctor today. Oh, please, let me hear something good. Let me hear some good news. See, you're in regular faith at best. You're not in great faith. Great faith. I don't care what the doctor says. <laughs> I know what you said. I don't care what the economy is saying. I know what you said. I don't care what is going on over here. I know what you said. I don't need anything natural coming in. It's just like uh, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get up on that fiery furnace. All right, God, now would be a good time. All right? Let the king have a change of heart. Something. Come on. No. They don't need anything in the natural. We made a declaration. Our God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. I don't care if you start the music up again. We aren't bound. Made him mad. Threw him in there. Daniel, I don't care what law you passed. I'm still praying to my God. I'm still opening up my window. I am not hiding. They weren't going to do it. That's what great faith is. I don't care what happens in the natural. I'm believing what my God told me. Here's one for you. Elijah is sent to a widow woman. And when he gets there, he sees how bad the situation is. God, I did not know it was this bad. I know you told me that someone was going to support me. A widow woman. I did not know it was going to be like this. I mean, she's ready to die. And you want me to take her food? And do what? See, he had great faith. He didn't need natural stimulation. He didn't need any natural stimulation up there on that mountain. I don't care what's going on. You can pour water on my uh, sacrifice. It's all right. You want great faith like this woman? That's what you need to do. Accept truth revealed. Reject what is false. As soon as it comes to you, you reject it. I listen to a lot of people on YouTube and other places. Listen to a lot of truth. They give me something and I can tell that's not from the right source. I reject it. I don't bring it in. It goes out right away. That's the wrong source. If they hit me with something, wait a minute, that's from a right source and I don't know it. I, this, I need to learn this. And then I'll pursue it. you got to make sure. Because you got to reject what is false. It'll weigh you down. You don't need to have all that, all that stuff weighing you down. You know, you watch them, uh, them Olympic runners, they get out there, they don't carry weights. 
Paul even talks about that. They're not going out there with weights. They get the latest clothing they can get. And you ought to see what they're doing now. Make Paul, Paul would be amazed. They make such light clothing. Feather light shoes. Feather light shoes. You hardly weigh anything. You put that on there, maybe, maybe a pound. That's it. Oh, it's amazing what they, what they can do anymore. Because you don't want all that extra stuff. But then Christians will go around and pick up all this extra baggage. Why are you believing that about your God? Where is that in the Word of God? Where does the Word of God tell you that that's what God does? Well, I don't know if it's in the Word like that, but then you're carrying around extra baggage. You don't need to do it. You've got to reject what is false. Because if you don't reject what is false, I don't care what you say about it, it will weigh you down. It will hold you back. That's why I've told you a few of the stories. I don't tell you all the stories, but I've told you a few of the stories. When I hear something false, I get vocal. That is not right. And I don't care who taught it. I told you one time, I was out running, and I was listening to a guy. A good guy came out and said something, and inside of me, that is not right. Said it out loud, because I'm not going to receive it. You can't bring that stuff in. Don't do it. Reject what is false. Declare an act based upon the truth that you say you believe and depend on no natural stimulation. Stop looking for things in the natural. Well, if I could only see interest rates drop, then I'll know that God wants me to buy a house. Stop looking for natural stimulation. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you. For this story that is in the Bible about someone who is not even Jewish, someone outside of the realm that Jesus was to minister to. But she found her way to Jesus. She wasn't deterred. She had great faith that was not dependent on anything in the natural. And we can learn from her. Father, I thank you for the things in your word that teach us what we need to know that we can grow, that we can overcome, we can become what you want us to be. Thank you for what you teach us. As we look to your word here this week, you will teach us more. You will open up our eyes. You help us to see truth revealed. We need to accept it. We need to do like this woman did and make declarations based upon the truth that we have accepted. And we need to act in a way that is consistent with what we say we believe. I thank you, Father, for the help that you give us in this. And give me the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we still have more healing stories to look at here. But as we're going on through, I shared you some of the things that jumped out at me that made me, uh, oh, I'm grabbing hold of that. There's going to be things that you will have that will make you grab hold. Ah. Oh. That I can see myself doing. That I can do. Some of it might involve when you come in here. You know, we have those prayer request cards on there. It, right on there, check. I want hands laid on me. So if it, if it comes up in you, I, if I get hands laid on me, I know this will go on. Just ask for it. But there's going to be something that's going to come up on the inside of you. Oh, that works for me. Then you need to go out there and to, and to do that thing. All these different healing stories show you different aspects of it different aspects that can be applied into your life. This is what we're here to learn. Put it to work. I hope you do. Love to hear some of the stories from you of what you put to work. This week in our 
Monday video podcast, not podcast, but a teaching. We've actually got all six up there, and uh, since we had six of them, I sent out the other two in the same vehicle we send the links out to. Three and four went on out, and five or six will go out tomorrow, but they're all up there if you want to go up there and see them. This is a great, great one, and the, the bulletin announcement has the summary for each one, and uh, I'm sure that you will enjoy them. Got some comments from people. You've enjoyed it so far, but after this week, we'll be on to something different. Brother Price, Brother uh, Price doesn't float your boat. We'll pray for you. <laughs> I know not everybody gets uh, gets as much of a throw out as some of the people that I enjoy, but he is one of the he is one of the great ones for me. I thoroughly enjoy him. Wish I had more. But that'll be be out there for tomorrow. If you depend on the links, they go out at ten o'clock the same same time. No services Wednesday night. We have the. Uh, part we're working on here brother nikolai was ministering last wednesday if you missed that it's up there on the internet he was uh, coming out of the book of daniel you can learn some of the things that are there we hope you take advantage of all those things so if you're looking for something to do on wednesday night you're used to going to church or listening to church take a look at some of the ones in the past that you missed grab hold of those but friday night we'll be here 6 30 we're starting at dinner if you haven't told my wife that you're coming or even if you're not coming please let her know Helps her with the things that she's putting together for that. We're going to start that at 6.30. Probably somewhere around 8 o'clock, we're going to go in for the uh, candlelight service. So if you can't make it as early as 6.30 for the dinner, but still want to come for the service, please come on. That's going to start probably somewhere around 8 if you get here and we're still in the dinner part. That's fine. Just sit on down and have fellowship with people. Enjoy. But we're going to have the candlelight part of the, the dinner there. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, I'm sorry. We're still having Sunday morning service here at 10 o'clock. Everything's going to be the usual to uh, 10 o'clock until you know whenever we're done and then you can uh, go on off and do whatever family things that you have going on there's no Christmas Eve service on that one this seems to be the best way to to help everybody out where we can still have our Christmas Eve candlelight service and everybody can still have the family things going on that they they would like to have going on so that's our our plan here for the week bless some of the people that are around you 